Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Suti Jasser will join us later today, the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. We'll be speaking about what happened to him at Canada's Parliament. We talked to uh, Dr. Jasser a little bit about it last weekend, but uh, today in detail from Dr. Jasser, what happened when he was invited to appear before the Heritage Committee, which is investigating or at least reviewing M103, M103, the uh, Islamophobia motion, And Dr. Jasser, who was invited to Parliament to appear before the committee, was described as an extremist by a liberal member of Parliament, uh, Arif Varani. And uh, Mr. Varani has been invited by me over the last few days by both email and phone calls, left messages, to engage with Dr. Jasser on the air and... uh, Explain to Dr. Jasser exactly, so the rest of us can hear it across this country, why the liberal member of parliament, who's a Muslim, would also describe another Muslim as an extremist because he disagrees with M103. Dr. Jasser, who's, a, as you know, been on this program many times, former lieutenant commander in the United States Navy. He's a nuclear cardiologist, past president of the Arizona Medical Association, author of... um, Battle for the Soul of Islam. Dr. Jasser is a very thoughtful person. And uh, he said to me, I'll uh, I'll debate Arif Firani. And you can tell him it's not going to be nasty. I just want to talk to him. And I think this is the perfect forum. Mr. Virani is a public official. He insulted a guest of Canada. And if you disagree with someone, you disagree with them, but you don't call him an extremist. Unless he is. So you have to back that up, Mr. Verani, even though you and your staff have done everything you possibly can to avoid my getting in touch with you and uh, inviting you to debate, Dr. Jasser. So that's coming up. Also, later this hour, we'll talk to an American bishop who, interestingly, is also a police officer But he's a bishop in Pennsylvania, and he's made the decision to carry a firearm to the pulpit because of the church shootings. And uh, we'll ask him why. It's more than the shootings. This is is more of a a societal development, I would think. So... um, And and this uh, bishop has been with us in the past, Bishop Council Ned II, and that'll be before the end of this hour. We're taking our gun to the pulpit, to the altar. 
There's a lot coming up on, the, on today's show, including Quebec, Canada's wild child. And uh, it's the goings-on in Quebec that antagonize, infuriate sometimes, and make you sort of grin. Um, but over the last couple of days, it was the firing by the electorate of Montreal Mayor Denis Coderre that really caught all of our attention. We thought the emperor was in there for life, and apparently not, so he's gone. The Montreal voters booted him out. And there's Bill 62, no face veil, if receiving or delivering public service. I want to talk to uh, my friend Beryl Weissman about that. And there's, uh, and there's a, a distaste for pipeline-delivered Alberta oil sands product to New Brunswick through Quebec, but uh, Quebec welcomes Middle East oil shipped by tankers through the St. Lawrence River ecosystem. I don't get it. Beryl Wiseman is the editor-in-chief of The Suburban, Quebec's largest circulation English-language newspaper. He also ran for mayor of the Anglo Stronghold Westmount. And uh, if, if I know anything about you, Beryl, you shook it up. <laughs> we did that, and we didn't pander, and we didn't pander or tailor the message. But, and it was a great way to do politics on the municipal level. It's you and the people, and nobody's telling you what to say. Well, you would always you always call it straight. You always call it the way you see it, and you don't care what the response is. And I've never known you to stray from the truth, uh, and and I mean that in a in a in a very uh, objective sense. I've listened to you many times. You used to come on the air after me when we were both in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, and and I listened to you in the car, and you were always bang on. And talk about direct. So, Mr. Wiseman, why was Denny Kader defeated? He looked secure from outside Quebec. What okay, happened? You've got to follow this because your analysis of Quebec is dead on, as most of your analyses are of anything. He was defeated for the very reasons you said, and the very reasons that are becoming politically correct. And he was defeated by a government, by a party, by a, by a mayor, who has pledged to do more of what irritated people. How's that for an opening? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. So I want to repeat this, and this is, again, uh, as Churchill said, a democratic vote is only a validation of the democratic process, not the truth of the ideas of the winners. So you had a mayor who was, believe it or not, really doing a good job restoring stuff in Montreal. He had gotten control of City Hall. He had dealt with the corruption issues. He had put in an inspector general. Uh, money was beginning to flow back in the city. This was a mayor who wanted to do business. He was cutting uh, the bureaucracy. Uh, all the right things to make the city grow. I remember when he came into office, Montreal was dead last in investment among cities of a million people or more. It didn't rise as fast as he would have liked, but it was rising. So here came the problem. He was brought down for what's left in the popular imagination. Horrible opposition to the pit bull ban. He banned pit bulls because a woman was killed by a pit bull. Believe it or not, that issue was everywhere. In every election, whether it was Montreal, whether it was the diverse city of Westmount, whether it was one of the boroughs of Montreal in Pierrefonds, this issue was all over the place. Now, we talked about it on this program. He was brought down, number two, because of the e-race, the electric car race. And the figures were never released for exactly how many tickets were given away free, how many tickets were sold. Um, and he was brought down number three by the spending on Montreal's 375th birthday. 
that, that included $40 million for lighting the Jacques Cartier Bridge and $3.5 million, wait for it, for granite tree stump sculptures on Mount Royal. <laughs> uh, really? How much? Right? How la- much? Roy. How much? Roy. Yes. You're laughing. Yes, I am laughing. $3.5 million. Through my wallet. $3.5 million for a couple of dozen tree stump sculptures on Mount Royal and a statue of a Ferris wheel that doesn't really move in Montreal North for about a couple of million more. Emperor Denis. No. Now, see, so here's the problem. All those things were objectionable, but all those things are matters that this government that was elected, with, by the way, 51.1% of the vote, and they have 51% of the city council. So Valerie Plant's Projet Montreal is all green all the time. One of the centerpieces of her of her promises were a larger tree canopy for Montreal and a pink line, as she called it, extension of the metro, which nobody has money to build. Nobody paid attention to the, that disconnect between what they objected to in Denis Coderre and what Valerie Plant was promising. They just objected to the optics. Now, so let's take them in reverse order. Let's take the spending. The spending for the Montreal 375th, most of it came from Ottawa. And it was you use it or, or lose it. What people objected to, probably, and I, I think rightly, is that too much of it was about monuments, stuff like the lights on the, on the Jacques Cartier Bridge, which, by the way, the idea for that came from Gilbert Rozon, the founder of the Just for the Last Festival, was in a bit of trouble on sexual harassment issues mm-hmm. uh, the past month. And yes, there was a legitimate complaint about that because he, the, uh, uh, the mayor could have used that money, for example, as some groups have suggested, to leave a lasting legacy of social housing. There's a lot of money. Ottawa shoveled in uh, something close to $200 million for this Montreal 375th. The E-Race certainly could have used more transparency. The Pitbull ban... Uh, Bad, these kind of prohibitions have been proven time and again to be absolutely uh, useless, and it's simply a response to the death of one woman. Now, so why am I drawing a comparison between that and Valerie Plant? There's an expression in Quebec these days, uh, c'est tout la politique des mères et les verts. It's all about the politics of the mothers and the greens. In other words, if little Johnny or Jill falls off their tricycle, we're going to make another prohibition and another order about wearing... Uh, uh, more secure helmets on your head. If the Greens want more trees, well, give them more trees. If they want more green space, give them more green space. If they want more bike paths, even give them more, more bike paths. That was an issue everywhere. Everybody's afraid to speak the truth. And yet, Coderre, if I had one criticism of him, it, it was he got into the pandering to these groups instead of just sticking to what he was doing really well. Now that the people of Montreal have elected a government that is totally committed to this above all else. So nobody's going to look at the fact, for example, that only 36,000 people, Roy, in Montreal and Longueuil uh, use the Bixie. So out of 2 million people, 36,000 people use this free bike service called the Bixie, which has eaten up about 800 parking spots just in the downtown core, contributed to the economic uh, disaster that downtown core is 
but nobody will speak a truth about it that, you know what, for 36,000 people out of 2 million, we spent 82 million cover, the taxpayers of Montreal covering the losses of the big city. All right, Beryl, hold on. How much? I have to take a break, but I'll ask you this question first, and then I want to ask you another question that's more far-reaching about what happened in Montreal. How much of the money is paid for by the Canadian taxpayer? How much of it is paid for by the municipal taxpayer in Montreal or the provincial taxpayer in Quebec? Well, the money for the... the, the, the for all the, the stuff. Objection. I'm sorry? For all the stuff. Well, uh, the money for the stuff that was really objectionable, the lighting of the bridge, the, the, the tree stump sculptures. I'm, I'm sorry to tell your audience that that was just about... Two hundred million was federal money, and about a hundred million was local and provincial. So All right, yeah, hold, Canada paid for two thirds of it. Hold on, Beryl. That's going to make people in Alberta very happy. Uh, we'll come back with Beryl Weisman from the Suburban. He's the editor in chief of Quebec's largest English circulation uh, daily, a weekly newspaper. And I want to find out whether there's a lesson for politicians, uh, municipally and otherwise, in Canada in the results in the Montreal election. And does anything change? Probably not with Valerie Plant. Uh, Beryl's telling us she's a very much a, uh, on, on the left side of the spectrum. I was going to ask whether anything's going to change as far as pipelines are concerned going through Quebec, whether the Energy East pipeline might be uh, resurrected because of a move by the city of Montreal. It appears not. So we'll ask him about that. And then I want Beryl's uh, explanation on Bill 62, don't go away. It's the Green Show. It's the Chorus Radio Network. Roy Green isn't afraid to poke the bear. The bigger the bear, the bigger the poke. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Beryl Weissman is my guest, editor-in-chief of The Suburban in Quebec, in Montreal. So we're going to be talking some more for a few minutes here. We have left with Mr. Weissman about the situation in Montreal and then beyond with the disappearance of Denny Kader because of the voters' decisions. Now, De- uh, Beryl, is there any chance anywhere that there would be any level of enthusiasm among City of Montreal or Island of Montreal politicians for a resurgence in the debate about the Energy East pipeline making its way from Alberta to New Brunswick. Oh, my. This is one of the uh, here. Uh, you said uh, we aggravated uh, listeners in Alberta. Well, hopefully uh, my comments will, uh, will, will, will hearten some of the uh, listeners in Alberta. I can't tell you how much I've written for the Energy East, pro-Energy East in the paper, how many times I've been on French media. Um, we're now, by the way, the second biggest newspaper in either language in Quebec. Oh, congratulations. Uh, this was more of what I was saying before, pandering to a certain type of vote. There is no sense at all. So here's the left. Let's call them the left, for want of a better word, or the Greens, arguing against Energy East and the ecosystem and blah, 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 blah. This started because of the Lac Megantic disaster. The Lac Megantic disaster happened because we're importing oil, as you said, not only oil that we buy from Saudi Arabia, but oil that we buy from Venezuela that goes to Portland, Maine, and comes into Quebec by trains on 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 uh, rail cars 
that are these dot rail cars that have been deemed to be unsafe uh, by every government. So we were the Lac Megantic disaster was was horrible. The, the loss of life, the loss of a town, the the, the the eco disaster. So here we have a pipeline. Yeah, it maybe it'll leak. Maybe it'll spring a leak. But it'll spring a leak that'll be fixed within an hour. It's not a tanker that's going to that could run aground. Uh, it's not an offshore oil rig that could explode like we saw in Louisiana. It's about the safest way to transport oil, and we need oil. Nobody's a, the, the, the the change is not happening quickly enough. Oh, we need oil. That's proven by the fact that they're bringing oil in from the Middle East and, as you say, Venezuela. Yes. There is no safer way than by pipeline. So what's going to happen? Will they start clamoring for Energy East now? So here's something that Mayor Coderre did, and Denny Coderre, the man, understands all this. Denny Coderre, the politician, la politique des mères et verts, the politics of mothers and greens. When the greens start clamoring because of the noise they make, not even the numbers, the noise, you get politicians. Do you know that every mayor, almost every major mayor led by Coderre in Quebec opposed the Energy East pipeline? I know that. Nobody was going to come up to, 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 uh, to go up against the Greens. It was a disastrous decision. It shouldn't have been made. Canada needed it. Quebec needed it. Quebecers pay 20, on average 20% more for their gas than people in Ontario and certainly people in the West. It was stupid. It was dumb as a bag of hammers. And... It's, this is just going to get worse under under Valerie Plant. Okay, we have less than a minute, so we won't go to Bill 62. We don't have the time for that. Is there a lesson to be learned by other municipal politicians, or even more broadly, provincial and federal politicians, from the defeat of Denny Kader? Uh You know, I was once interviewed by a New York Times reporter named Ben Zimmer for an article he was writing on optics, and he decided that optics and politics, Quebec is the capital of it. This was all about optics. Uh, Danny Coderre's mannerism was a bit uh, aggressive, but as he put it very well, uh, arrogance is often confused with conviction. He did make an incredible number of right decisions, but all people saw was the arrogant face, and all people remembered were the very things that the that that the left wanted, the stuff that the people were screaming for. Uh, and and he, he went down because of optics. Okay. Beryl, my friend, always great talking to you. Thank you so much for the time today. To you, Take good care. Beryl Wiseman from The Suburban, the editor-in-chief. And there's the Kadare story. When we come back, members of parliament and senators will be looking at and evaluating some of the most secret information in this country. It's the first time it's happened, 11 of them. And Scott and Newark will assess that for us. Don't go away.